You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. Hustle Butter Deluxe is a 100% vegan replacement for all petroleum-based products. Hustle Butter can be used before, during, and after the tattoo process. Made from mango, cocoa, papaya, and other shea butters, it will not remove your stencils, you won't have any petroleum buildup or clogged tubes, and it helps keep the skin workable during the entire tattoo session. Used in replace of petroleum-based products, Hustle Butter Deluxe gives results that last a lifetime. For luxury tattoo care, check out HustleButter.com. When you make an order, be sure to tell Richie Bulldog you heard him mentioned on Sullen Radio. You can't knock the hustle. Hi, this is Joe Swanson with Sullen Radio. I use my Waterloo Tattoo Workstation every day I tattoo. Are you interested in working off a tattoo workstation that has been designed specifically for tattooing with input from tattoo artists? Do you want a workstation that helps keep your tools and equipment well organized? If you haven't yet seen Waterloo's tattoo workstations on TV shows like Spike TV's Ink Master and Tattoo Nightmares, do yourself a favor and take a look at waterloo-tattoo-storage.com. These versatile workstations are available in two sizes that each come with Waterloo's full-width drip guard. As a tattooer, if you've ever knocked over your rinse cup during a tattoo, you know how important it is to have a stainless steel work surface designed for easy cleaning and maximum protection against spills. Waterloo workstations come on four swivel casters for easy maneuverability within the tattoo shop. With the increasing use of technology in mind, Waterloo Tattoo Workstations also come with a repositionable six outlet power strip with two USB ports that can easily power your lighting laptops and personal electronics. Plenty of usable space and drawer organizers keep your tattoo tools and equipment safe and in their place. Check out WaterlooTattooStorage.com and at WaterlooTattoo on Instagram for the best tattoo storage workstation on the market. This is Sullen Radio with Joe Swanson, the premier art-driven podcast. Hey everybody, this is Joe Swanson, and my guest today on Sullen Radio has a strong presence in the tattoo industry. He's experienced both extreme tragedy and great success during his time uh, in the industry. Um, Since the last time we talked, he talked to me about this uh, moment in his career that he completely broke down his tattooing process, the tools that he uses, and I believe that his style has really developed into something that's clearly unique and very recognizable in the industry. One of the most, in my opinion, recognizable tattooers today. I'm very pleased to announce Mike Chambers to the show. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, dude. Um, You know, I want to start off with, you know, if anybody follows uh, you on Instagram. You can follow him, Mike Chambers. It's uh, M Y K E C H A M B E R S. Mike Chambers on Instagram, and I believe you're on Twitter and things like that. Um, September September fifth, two thousand and five was, or September eighth, two thousand and five was. September eighth. September eighth, two thousand and five. Man, that's coming up on almost. We just passed nine years. This is Mike's uh, the date that he is clean and sober from. And we're, run, we're running up into a decade, man. What, for those people that are out there that listen to you and follow you, um, what is that, what's the main thing that you cling to daily that kind of keeps you positive and motivated to continue that path? Because it's really impressive, and I, and I want people to really feed into that. And, you know, a lot of people look up to you. Well, I mean, 
I guess there's a, there's a lot of different things that keep me focused on that and dedicated to that. I mean, one of, one of the main things is I don't ever want to go back to that hell again. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, which is just as important to me as that I get to try and help other people get out of that nightmare that I was in. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't drink, I don't, you know, smoke weed. I don't have any problem with, you know, people that drink and smoke weed and whatever, you know, there's a lot of people that can do that and totally function and not, you know, it's not a problem, but there are people where that becomes a huge problem. For me, it was, it was everything. It didn't matter, you know, what I was doing. I did everything to an excess and it just became a horrible problem for me. Um, I don't, I don't drink, I don't do anything. Um, and I feel like, you know, maybe I could, you know, drink and have a beer, you know, with dinner or out socially and, and keep it controlled and keep it moderated. You know, maybe I could do that. I don't know. The chances of that not working out for me are, are greater, you know, than the benefits of actually being able to do it. And honestly, right now I feel completely fine. I don't need something to alter my state of mind. You know, I'm completely content with where I am. And that wasn't the case for a long time because I guess, um, you know, before I actually got clean, you know, I would stop and I could stop. It was never really a problem of stopping. I could stop, but it was how I felt when I did. I just, I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin and everything just seemed kind of boring and lame. And then I'm like, you know what, if this is what sober is, I don't fucking want it. Cause I just didn't feel good. So anyway, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's different facets. It's if I drank, then I couldn't continue to help people. Sure. You know? And then I'm also, you know, risking that chance of going back into that fucking nightmare. And, you know, there's pretty much not a day that goes by that I don't, you know, feel this overwhelming sense of gratitude that I'm not there, you know? Um, I'm not waking up in that fucking to another nightmare. I'm not sitting in a jail cell or prison cell, you know, I'm not thinking about where I'm going to get my next high. And it's pretty fucking amazing. And I, and I think about that and I reflect on it and I'm like, wow, this is where I am. And, And I never thought I would be here. You know, I'm about to turn 39 in December. I didn't think I would make it to 25. Fuck. It's crazy. Yeah. And now, and now look at it, man. You're waking up with gratitude, you know, a family, a wife, a great career. And you're, you're, man, doing some great things in tattooing. And I think you're on the cutting edge of what's going on right now with respect to your art and with respect to the things that are available to us in this day and age. That's the Internet. That's reaching out across the world to people. And I think that's cool, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Are you st- you're still based in Philly, but you're traveling. You keep a pretty steady travel schedule, don't you? I, I do keep a pretty steady uh, travel schedule. Right now, I'm based in Philly. I've cut back on a lot of shows. Um, I have a lot of, you know, a lot of conventions and people wanting me to guest spot and stuff. But it's, I'm just so busy here. And it's like, there's just don't, there doesn't seem to be enough time, hours in the day. And, um... It's like whenever I travel, 
I love traveling, but I've traveled so much and I've, and you know, originally it was so I could meet new people and see new things and everything was like amazing. And it still is. And I still have that wonder when I travel, but I've just been everywhere. And it's like, so right now I really want to try and I'm spending a lot of time in Europe. I don't know. Since we last talked, we kind of, uh, I don't remember if I'd already spent like five weeks in Europe, but I went over to Europe for like five weeks and just traveled all over to a bunch of different countries. And, and it was, um, is really opening for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, I would go to Europe and go to, you know, a convention and then leave, you know, and, but really actually immersing myself in the different cultures is, is just, it's, it's mind blowing. How do you find that you've done that? Is that just getting off the beaten track and, and seeing where you end up? Or is that linking up with a tour guide or some, uh, a local there that can kind of take you into those more in, you know, those spots that you have to kind of be in well, that culture? It's kind of, it's kind of both. Like I'll, I'll go somewhere, you know, maybe I'll go to a, a little town in Italy um, I have a friend Marco that has a shop out there and, you know, and I just met him online and we started talking, he invited me out and I go out there and, you know, they take us to like the, their friend's little like ranch out there that they mm -hmm. grow olives and grapes and press their own olive oil. And we have like this amazing dinner and it's just this awesome little Italian family. And we're sitting around this huge table and just course after course and, and like, the love and it's amazing and then I get shown around but then there's also times where I'm just like uh I go to Rome and I just you know grab a little backpack and just start walking I have no idea where I'm going not even like a real destination just going through like the hoods and stuff through <laughs> there and just like checking it out and you know oh look there's a train I'll just jump on it and where am I going yeah um, so it's a little of both mm -hmm. that's awesome man it's <clears throat> I know we talked about it the last time we spoke. If you want to hear Mike and I's first conversation, it's it's available on SoundCloud and my website, therealjoeswanson.com. It was for my uh, other show, The Propaganda Podcast. Have you come up with an, a new favorite place that you've traveled or an experience that's really impacted you heavily? I mean, it's not new because I've I've been to uh, I've been to Greece, you know, a few times. And every time I go back to Greece, I don't know what it is about Greece, but it's just, I just have this, this huge connection, just like it feels like my soul just feels like some sort of connection to, I don't know, maybe it's just how old it is and the civilization that dates back so far. I don't know what it is, but I, I just really like Greece. Mm -hmm. Is that where the, uh, the Sam and Mike show hashtag came from? That trip, the last trip to Greece? Actually, the, the, the first time we hashtagged that was in, um, it, it was a joke. We were hanging out and I was filming and we made this joke. It's the Sam and Mike show. And um, we were hanging out of a window in like this awesome little hotel in uh, Evian, France and joking around. And, and then that's where the tag came from. And then I just started... Um, making all kinds of videos and posting them up and people seem to like them. So I kept rolling with it. Hell yeah, man. Do, do you like social media? It seems like you tie in pretty good with your community and your fans and followers. Do you like the way it's become 
now with the way we, we can reach out and be connected, or is it a little bit overwhelming at times? Um, well, I mean, I guess it's definitely a, do a double-edged sword. I mean, it's really good to be connected and be able to, you know, talk to other people and see what other people are doing around the world pretty much, you know, instantaneously. You can, I mean, it's good, but then, you know, I see... I see where a lot of tattooing's getting kind of inbred, maybe for lack of a better word. Um, everybody kind of starts to adapt everyone else's style. Even if you're not intentionally doing it, maybe you see something and you put it in the back of your head and it comes out in your drawing. Or a lot of times it is intentional where you see just everyone wants to emulate, you know, who they're looking up to, which is, you know, that's, I guess that's pretty much human nature, you know, emulation. Um, but really, I mean, I might've even talked about this before. I mean, where those people got to that, that are being looked up to was not through emulation was from trying to cut their own path. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, for the most part anyway. And that's what you did. I mean, we talked about it early on in the intro. You spoke about it on our first show, a little bit about breaking down your tattooing process and we didn't get into it too heavily and I'd like to get into that a little bit more because that really interests me as a tattooer we go through these periods where we kind of use the same tools we use, use the same inks or needles whatever and there's times where we bring in new shit um, it seems to me that you took all that and you said hold on, I'm going to just break this shit down. I'm going to see what I like. I'm going to look at pictures. I'm going to look at my tools. I'm going to really evaluate all of it. How did that process start for you? Um, I know you weren't happy. You sp said it before. You weren't happy with your work, and somebody came in and kind of gave you a, a, a skating review of your portfolio. And it, it, I know that kind of stemmed it a little bit, but what sparked in your brain that said, yeah, i got to really break this shit down? Um, I guess, I mean, it was, it was mostly that, that really fueled it and got me out of where I was being so stagnant. And, and I guess, you know, that's kind of, that at that time, that was kind of whenever the internet was just kind of going, that was still like MySpace, And I don't even think Facebook was up yet. And, um, and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, negative reinforcement kind of where rewarding bad behavior behavior like you'll like I would post something online and then all my friends would be like oh my god that's so fucking awesome when in reality it was crap you know but it would all it would reinforce to me that oh I'm doing good mm -hmm. but really I wasn't um and I guess it I mean mostly it was it was it was that you know, extremely humbling experience where these guys come into my shop and they tell me I fucking suck and I need to quit. And, uh, and they were right. But, you know, at that point, what do I do? Do I quit? Do I, you know, grow or go? And it was at that point that it was, I got this pretty much overwhelming burning desire just to show these motherfuckers mm -hmm. basically. And then just, I guess it all started with a, just a huge desire to be the absolute best that I could and to learn as much as I fucking could. And I, I pretty, I put 
every single bit of my passion and every single thing I had into it. I completely focused and I knew what my goal was and I knew what my desire was of what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. And I didn't let anything stand in that way, stand in my way there. I just, I knew what it was. And I think um, one of the main, one of people's biggest mistake is not having a clear defined goal. And you have to set a goal. You're like, oh, I want to do this. But, you know, it's so general. You need like a clear set goal. And then you have to put all of your passion behind it because passion's the fuel. And once you have that goal in your mind, you have something to go for. Um, what was your goal? <sighs> <laughs> Basically where I am. And, and, um, and, and that, that's what it was. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to be, you know, I mean, it, it sounds kind of, I guess it'll sound kind of egotistical, but I wanted to be known around the world. And I wanted, you know, ultimately what I wanted to do was be able to tattoo every single day. And no matter where I went, I wanted to be able to be booked. You know, if I want to leave and go to Italy or France or, you know, Scandinavia or wherever, I wanted to be able to go there and be booked and not have to worry about it. And, um, and that's what I wanted. So that's what I shot for. And that's where I am. But then it, that leads me to kind of a, not necessarily a problem, but like kind of plateauing. It's like, okay, I reached my destination. Now I have to set something else mm -hmm. and I have to go further. Um, because I don't want to, I guess, get stagnant and just comfortable and resting on my laurels, so to speak. Yeah. You need to recreate that process again. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it, and I don't think that's, you know, it may sound egotistical to some people, but as an artist, as everybody that works, honestly, most people have those same things. They want to, and it's not necessarily that I want this, um, all this notoriety, but I want this sphere of influence that can provide me a life that is comfortable. And, you know, there is something to be said for playing those, that, that ego. And there's some ego and there's some and drive and that definitely can be a negative thing at times, you know, if you're coming, if you have the wrong end goal, you know. Exactly. Um, so. Well, I mean, I mean, at the same time, I had that goal, but I also had the same goal of. I mean, because it's always kind of gone hand in hand with my service work to helping others. And then, and I know that I am where I am because I help other people and I get a chance, a larger platform to help other people um, from a much larger stage. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the, the greater the influence and the, and the circle of people that you, that you are influencing, influencing <clears throat> the greater uh, the impact I think you can make as an yeah. individual you know, especially these days. And that's, I think, the cool thing with the Internet. And I'm sure we talked about it last time. But that ability to go viral or reach out, you know, it used to be, all right, well, I can maybe do some things in my town or if I go to the next town or coordinate this event in this particular city, I'm going to get some regional, you know, looks. But 
it's become now where tattooing isn't regional anymore. It's yeah. world. You know, world, it's it's across the world, and, and that's with everybody. And I think it opens up great opportunities, but it also, like you said, it, it can it can also be overwhelming to make your own impact and make your – and I think it starts local. It does still, yeah. to this day, start regionally. And well, I think – it has to. It, has, it, it definitely has to. Um, I mean – a lot of time, like, I don't know, I guess I was sitting around, I was thinking last night, I was sitting back and I was just staring up at the moon and I was thinking about, you know, all of a sudden the world seems so huge and I'm like, well, what is my impact really doing? It's so small and everything. And then I started kind of getting like overwhelmed with all oh, the world's so fucked up and there's so many wars going on. And, and then I just brought it back down and it's like, I'm doing my little part. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters. And then the more, you know, I do my little part, maybe that ripples out and then other people are doing their little part. It's, you know, it all matters, no matter how insignificant we might think it is. It, it really does. Even, you know, just a, just a smile once to someone on the street, you know, holding the door for someone or, yeah. or whatever, you know, you can make ripples with positivity. You can make ripples with negativity. You know, I see some people that will post nothing but tons of negative stuff and people love that shit. They will get on board and just start talking mad shit and they love it. And, you know, they'll also do the same thing with positivity. And it's, it's usually for the most part, different people. Sometimes it's the same people kind of going back and forth, but it's like, I see people do that, that do feed on the negative side um of it and but i i've watched them for years you know the same people like friends of mine um and they don't get anywhere you know and then i see people on the positive side of things and they just keep going they just keep going up and um because i mean it's just the law of cause and effect right you know yep is there a person that comes to mind that is one of your Somebody in the industry, one of your, you know, peers that is positive and, and that you have looked up to and, and just like being around? Um, Well-known or otherwise? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. There's like, like I have, uh, I have my friend, his name's uh, Johannes, and he works out in, uh, in Boston. And I mean... He's not, I mean, a lot of tattooers definitely know who he is because he's, like, such a good dude. But as far as, like, you know, like, clients or whatever, or general public and collectors and stuff, they may not necessarily know who he is. But he, like, just to be around this guy, he's always, always fucking happy. And he's, he's like, one of my best friends. And, and he just, like, just being around him just makes you feel good. It's that mm-hmm. type of person. Um and, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that I definitely look up to in that aspect, you know? So. Well, let's get, uh, I want to get back to, um, the time when you had your shop in Austin. I, I think that's an interesting period because it seems to be that breaking moment for you when you were there that moved you to this, this goal of, Hey, I want to be at this point in my career. And how long did you have that shop before, that moment hit and those guys came in and said, Hey, you need to stop this. And what kind of, 
how are you, you know, what, what led you to that point in Austin and why Austin? I mean, it's a cool city. I, I've never been there, but I've heard nothing but great things about it. Um, well, I'll start with why Austin. I pretty much grew up in Austin. Okay. Uh, um, well, my parents, my dad moved there when I was uh, sixth grade. And so I moved there and then my mom moved there. So I was there from like sixth grade on. And then um, so I went to junior high and high school there. So I, I'm, I'm basically from Austin. So that's that's why Austin. My mom's in Austin. Um, my kids live in Austin. Um, and I don't, I mean, there, there's a long story in there on the shop that I, that I told you. And I, I mean, if, if people want to listen to a really awesome sure. long story, they can, you know, go, go check out your, your other podcast. Cause I kind of rambled about <laughs> open the shop and all of that stuff. Um, well, let's, but, let's move forward then to that, to that, uh, to the time when those guys came in and we talked about it just a little bit, but you started with your goal. And if there's somebody out there that's a, that's a young tattooer or even an older tattooer that feels like they're stagnant, the, one, the first step is to, to make yourself a goal. Did you take a look at the, the marketing side of the business or did you take a look at the, the actual physical part of tattooing and your tools? What did you kind of hit first when you well, looked at that? I mean, I guess I kind of did all of it, but the thing is, is you can go out and market yourself and have an amazing marketing, you know, utilize every strategy that you can to market yourself and get your, you know, in front of people. But if you don't have something good to show them, what's the point? Product is key. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, at that time, there was a website called um, Ink Nation. Um, I don't know if you remember it, but it's, it's gone. But, um, a lot of the people that were on Ink Nation, um, it was actually really big. And a lot of the people that were on it at that time and, you know, we're, we're good and you can see them getting better. A lot of those people are, are now like the front runners in the tattoo community now. Um, and it's been pretty amazing to watch everything happen. And then but, I mean, I kind of did all of that. I just, um, I started really focusing on my drawing. Because at that time, my, my technical um, application was, was actually pretty good. It was mostly on my, my drawing aspect. Um, I mean, I could draw, but I wanted to do, like, my heart was in, you know, the traditional Americana style. But I wanted to kind of do my own thing with it. But... I didn't really have the greatest grasp on it. Um, I was still leaning more towards like a new school style. Cause I mean, in the nineties I did a ton of new school on a ton of black and gray. And so like kind of breaking that, um, was not easy. And you can see that in a lot of my earlier work is there's a lot of crazy colors going on and you can definitely see the more new school stuff. And there's like this huge evolution of how my work's changed since then. Um, I don't think anything stayed the same for longer than a few months. Um, but 
I really focused on my drawing. I studied a lot of books. Um, I studied, you know, I would look at tattooers and look at exactly how they were placing different elements in the tattoo, not just the tattoo itself, but the way it fit the body. Um, there are different colors. I got, you know, I went and got books on color theory. You know, Russ Abbott has his color wheel, which is fucking phenomenal because he makes all that shit easy as hell for people now. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's great. I advise anybody to pick that up. Yeah, go. Uh, he just was on the show, my last show uh, for the Propaganda Podcast for a little while as I focus on Sullen Radio, um, was Russ. You know, I definitely wanted to get him on there. I'm, uh, I'm a big supporter of what he's got going on. And, and if anybody's interested, just go hit up Russ Abbott on Instagram and uh, check out his Abbott Color Wheel. It's, I think it'll change the way a lot of people tattoo. Yeah. Uh, it, it's phenomenal. And um, Russ has actually been like one of the main influences in my development um, because he was one of the artists that I really gravitated towards his tattoos and his color placement and everything and his design and the way everything flows. Um, even though our styles are, are, are very different, um, in the beginning, I would just study his tattoos. I would study um, like a lot of Uncle Alan and a lot of like um, Tony Hundall in Austin, Texas at Rock of Ages and um, and then all of these tattooers. And I, I just really focused a lot on drawing. I got into watercolor painting and I started painting more. Up until that point, I was pretty much using just Prismacolors. Um, pencils and then I got into watercolor and then that really helped me refine a lot of my stuff um, and then I just I started doing conventions you know I did I did a com couple conventions and I'm like all right and then I started seeing other tattoos and seeing other people rather than just being right there in the shop and just seeing what I you know saw on the internet or whatever and I started watching people tattoo and then I started doing conventions and then um, next thing I know, I'm s sitting in Russ's shop, you know, this guy who I like idolized and, and I'm sitting in his shop and me and him are doing a collab piece on a guy, you know, I'm sitting there, I've been looking up to this dude for years and studying his tattoos and then I'm sitting there and I'm hanging out with him and we're tattooing, I'm staying at his house and and I, I told him this and, you know, we're sitting there hanging out and I'm like, dude, I've, I'm like, I felt like, like kind of stupid, but I'm telling him, I'm like, dude, this is kind of like a dream of mine. I'm sitting here hanging out with you. And, um, and then, you know, Russ over the years has become a great friend. And, you know, for a long time I would te text Russ a picture and I'd be like, what do you think about this? And he'd be like, do this, do this and do this, get rid of that and blah, blah, blah. And we'd kind of bounce ideas off of each other. When I first met Russ, um, because I was, this is when I got into the side where I was really refining my drawings and starting to get okay with the way they were looking. Um, I guess I left this out. I read, I talked about reading books, um, Guy Atchison's Reinventing the Tattoo. Mm -hmm. I tattoo nothing like him, but the information in that is really, really good. Um, I started... Um, Obviously, you know, I started trying different needle groupings. Um, I accidentally ordered um, some bug pen liners, um, and I didn't mean to, and I tried them out, and I'm like, oh, these are amazing. So I started using the, those for everything I did. And then I was working conventions, and um, 
and I became friends with uh, Timmy B, um, and me and Timmy, I guess, what's that? Me and Timmy worked uh, a convention in Chattanooga, and then Russ was there, and that's where I met Russ. And this is like seven years ago, maybe mm -hmm. six years ago, seven, probably closer to like seven years ago. And Russ was there, and and Russ was having a conversation with Chris from Steadfast, and they were having a conversation about marketing. And um, and I'm like, hey, you guys mind if I hang out? And then we all just started having conversations about, you know, better marketing yourself and Google and AdWords and like all this stuff. And we ended up sitting there talking for like hours on marketing techniques and stuff. And, um, and that's when I became, you know, first met Russ and then we set up a guest spot and I'm over there hanging out. But um, I don't know, everything's just really fallen into place with me. I don't know if it's just luck, if it's just destiny, if it was just a lot of fucking hard work and and trying to be as nice and polite to everyone as I possibly can. I mean, I know I've I've probably stepped on a lot of fucking toes in the in the way there, but I, I try to do as little damage as I possibly can. Um but it's con the whole time it's been a very direct driving force. It's not like, Oh, I'm kind of doing this. Look, I'm cool. I'm tattooing. It's been, this is my fucking life. This yeah. is my passion. This is what I'm doing. This is what I want. It's like tunnel vision. You know, it's not letting anything alter. And then, um, you know, I, I had my shop for about four years and then I'm like, you know what? I want to go traveling. I want to just do guest spots and, so I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. I can't keep the shop. And I'm, I sold the shop. I packed everything up, put everything in storage and loaded my truck up. And I just went on the road. And the first place I went was to Russ's shop and did a guest spot there. And then I would constantly just set up guest spots and conventions. And I drove all over the country for a while. And, um, and I think that's where a lot of growth had come in, you know, I mean, I guess before that, I had already like had some success with magazine interviews and stuff like that before. Um, but then that's where like really starting to refine things happened. Mm -hmm. But um, but Do yeah, I just kind of I just kind of put everything aside and just was very focused. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's <clears throat> it's that's cool, man. It's it's one of those things that I think a lot of people have a hard time with that determined focus, you know, to balance life, family, work, fun, whatever it is. And they, some people get, are, are more successful at it than others. But I think it's something to always strive for to continue to push yourself and make those little goals and, and have those big goals as well. But, um, well, I will say, I will say this at that time, there was no balancing. <laughs> There really wasn't no, there was, there was no room for balance for me at that time. Um, it's like I, I needed to make sacrifices. Um, my kids were still pretty young. Um, and, and my kids actually were living in California at that time. Um, and then, you know, moved, moved out to Texas. But there wasn't, there wasn't much balance. It was just strictly tattooing and that's what was driving me because I knew where I wanted to go and and there were sacrifices that I made but now that I made them I can relax you know and I can 
you know, get to take off a month and spend with my kids or, you know, whatever I want to do, I can up and fly off to a fucking island and chill on a beach for a week or, or do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying I make like a crazy amount of money because really it's just like I make it and then I spend it and that's what happens. Um, but, um, but I'm at a place where, um, you know, I'm booked out and I'm pretty, you know, secure that that's going to keep happening for a while as long as my hands and back hold up. How's that come? How's that going? I mean, are you, do you find that deteriorating any, your hands or your back or those physical things that take a toll on us? I would, I would love to say no, but yeah, definitely. You know, my, um, uh, thank God I got my wife. She massages my hands all the time mm-hmm. and stuff. But yeah, you know, I mean, I've been tattooing over 20 years, like 22 years and I've already had, um, I've already had like two cortisone shots in my hands and they say that's the most you can get before you need surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my friends just had to have the corporal tunnel surgery. Um, and a couple of my friends have had to have that surgery. So, I mean, that just kind of goes with it. I just don't want that to happen, but what? I, try, I try and do exercises, stretches mm-hmm. with my hands and my back and all that. Cause I, I know it's not going to last forever. Um, one thing I definitely do is I don't tattoo for hours straight. I will take a break once every hour. I don't care. What the client says, that's part of it. That's going to be part of it. I'm going to take a five-minute break every hour. That's, yeah. you know, uh, well, so. that's you know, that's something that you find out in breaking down that whole thing. You know, from the beginning when you started breaking shit down, that's part of breaking it down. You know, the the non-balance is you've learned breaking down your balance over the last uh, over those years. You know, and that's become something that. Maybe in the beginning, the balance part of it, the, you know, taking not only tattooing, but your family and all those other things and combining them wasn't about that at that point. It was about tattooing and figuring out the quickest way to this goal. And balance came along with that over the course of the years, it seems like. And it's become easier for you as those other things have fallen into place to provide balance in your life. Oh, yep. How did you how did you decide to get your face tattooed? <laughs> let's just switch it the fuck up right now, you know what I mean? Like let's go into let's go into face tattoos. Yeah. Um well, I got my face tattooed I guess it's been around twenty years ago. So that was early, man. That was early yeah, on. It was it was really early I got my face tattooed. Um I was living on the street, so I was just a homeless gutter punk fucking junkie alcoholic wino fucking whiskey drinking kid (laughs) you name Um, it (laughs) i was doing it right living on the streets and i was riding freight trains around the country and um and i was like i didn't um i didn't want to be part of society i had no desire to be part of society so i figured i would solidify that and make that permanent where i would never be part of society ever again and i tattooed my face and look where we're at now i'm (laughs) I'm part of society i pay taxes you know i fucking totally totally part of society now but um it's crazy how that's changed huh yeah it's it's definitely changed i mean at that point i didn't it didn't matter to me you know you didn't see people with tattoos on their faces 20 years ago i mean you would see the occasional people i mean 
kind of cliche bikers and criminals and stuff, but that's what it was. You know, you didn't, you rarely saw that. You may see a, a teardrop or two, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and, but on the other side, all of my friends had face tattoos, mm-hmm. you know, all the street kids, you know, they had big, crazy face tattoos. Um, does it have a meaning? Um, I, I gave it a meaning. Not like, not like it's like, oh, you can look up in the book or in whatever, what's it mean? It, it just means life through truth and honor. Um, it's basically what it means. But I, I, for a long time, I had a hard time um, living up to that. Um, I'd like to think today that I do. So, yeah, live up to it. Uh, truth and honor. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, it's, it's obviously a, a constant reminder every time you look in the mirror. Right? Every time yeah. you see a picture of yourself or anything. The funny thing is, is when I look in the mirror, I don't even see it. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes those things. You know, our own tattoos become almost invisible to us as we wear them for so long. Yeah. So, Do you have any new tattoos that you've gotten that you that you dig? Or are you pretty covered? Um, no. I actually, well, I, um, I started, uh, I lasered my left arm. And, like, it was just black and gray stuff from prison. And I lasered all that shit, and I had, um, well, I'm currently having Jason Kelly in Atlanta um, at, uh, I'm having him completely cover everything on this arm, and then my right arm, I started lasering that. I haven't started covering that. And then my chest, I just started a huge, like, Pharaoh's Panther chest piece where that's a cover-up too because i have so many horrible tattoos from over the years so everything's like laser and cover-up um my entire back from my shoulders down to the back of my kneecaps is in progress too my friend uh rasp here in philly Mm -hmm. is doing that uh my chest uh carlos perez here in philly that works with me is doing my chest um I guess I got my head tattooed a little while ago, but we never finished it. Russ started it. Oh, I uh, did see that. That's like a flower or something at the top, right? Yeah, it's like some geometric shapes and stuff, stippling, and it's it's not a fun tattoo to get. (laughs) I mean, it's not it's not horrible, but it's it's bad. I heard it's loud. Well, he uses he uses the FK iron, so he uses pretty silent machine. But that's what I heard when. I've talked to people and I've tattooed people's head uh, heads and they all say that, you know, it, it hurts more importantly or more so than hurting. It's just loud and fucking boom, boom, boom. Yeah. You know? uh, I don't even, I mean, the sides, the sides weren't so bad. It was the top of my head. Mm. And then when Russ was doing like the stippling, that didn't even hurt. Like I didn't think that the stippling hurt at all. Um, but he was doing some whip shading on there and it was, uh, that was, uh, was pretty brutal. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the worst part was like, we, we lined it all out, um, in one session at his shop and then a cut, like less than a, a week and a half later, we were in Asheville at the convention and he shaded in the whole top part. And, uh, and so I mean, I'm sitting there, we're in like convention fold-up chairs, and I'm sitting there, sitting like this, and he's standing up, and he has me holding the foot switch, (laughs) 
So I have my foot on the foot switch while he's standing there tattooing my head. And it's like, and I'm having to hold my head up like this, like with my hand under my chin, holding my own head up because he's pressing down really hard. And I'm holding the foot switch thinking, I can stop this at any <laughs> <point>. <laughs> And it's kind of sadistic because like, I'm not stopping it. And he's making me like hold this fucking shit. And I'm just like, I can stop it. I can stop it at any moment. And, uh, yeah. What was the, <laughs> did he have a reason for making you fucking other, well, to hold a foot switch other than. It was easier for him that he didn't have to hold it so he could stand up. I mean, that was the, that was the reason. I mean, yeah. I, I know the, the reason. Yeah. But. Yeah. Amazing, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> what was the last convention you went to? Uh, last convention, where did I go? Um, Connecticut, uh, okay. Tommy's tattoo convention in Connecticut, in, uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah, that's cool. Man, there's so many these days. You know, there's yeah. A, everybody, you know, all around the world, you know, there's conventions going on every weekend. And um, it's been something that's been a big change from the very beginning. Is there anything that you miss from back in the day, you know, the when things weren't so global? Um. I don't know. I mean, I guess I could say a lot of things, but I mean, I, I, I like it. I mean, with one problem with so many conventions, because everybody's like, oh, there's so much money in, run, in holding your own convention or whatever. They, they really think that and they think the dollar signs, you know, and, but it's really not, you know, unless your convention's been going on for years and you put a lot of money into it, you know, you're taking a loss, you know, they're going to, those conventions, and then the more conventions they have, the less people are actually going to attend because they're going to be like, oh, there's going to be another one over, you know, 50 miles over here in Jersey, though, the Philly one, you know. Mm -hmm. And then there's conventions that do really good because they've been there for years. You know, the Philly convention, the Long Beach convention, mm -hmm. um, Hell City, both Hell Cities, you know, these conventions are, con are going to do good, but... I think it still keeps attendance down with having so many everywhere yeah. um, because people are just like, yeah, I'll just go to another one next month, you know? So, yeah, I think the novelty of that is going to start wearing off. Yeah. That's what was my next question. I was um, speaking with Lyle Tuttle the other day. I was over in San Francisco and he, he seems to think that within five years, it's going to hit a breaking point and it's going to go back to, a little bit the way it was, obviously, with all the new technology and all that shit still the same, but there's not going to be as many uh, conventions. The tattooers who, in the words of, uh, of Ben Korn, are bar tattooers who just like to go to the bar and say, hey, I'm a tattooer. Those guys are going to fall off, and it's going to be we're going to be back down to a little bit more tighter community like you know, we, we have within the close-knit part of tattooing. I mean, I can definitely see that happening. I think there's always going to be there's always going to be be people that you know want to tattoo because it's cool. I mean, ultimately, that's why I started tattooing. I mean, I had no other real options. I mean, I, I really didn't think I did. I mean, I was you know a fucking criminal and I was this punk kid, and you know my options were very limited. But I was artistic, and that so, was a fringe. I mean, it was a fringe society or a fringe industry that at that time would accept that. Yeah. And I mean, people, 
so many people want to, oh, I want to learn how to tattoo and this and that. They see it on TV or they see it on the internet and they see like all these awesome tattoos or whatever. But the thing is, is as soon as they get, if they get into it, they get their foot in the door, they realize it's not a glamorous thing. It's not, you know, we, we fucking work our asses off and, you know, people think, oh, that must be easy tattooing all day. Okay, listen, I want you to just sit there at the table, not even a human person, and draw. I want you to draw for five hours straight. Do that five hours straight and tell me how you like it. And I want you to wake up the next day and do it again. Five hours every day, just nonstop drawing. Don't stop drawing for five. I mean, come on. If I, I sit down and, I mean, I sit down and draw something. If I draw for like an hour, I'm like, oh, fuck this. Like, yeah. I mean... I mean, the fatigue of tattooing, you know, on on your body is so straining because it's so physical. It's physical on your back, on your hands, on, you know, your eyes straining. And not only your eye, your body is straining, but your mind is straining. And then the nervousness of you're on a human and making something permanent so you're stressed out. You know, I'm surprised more people don't die of fucking heart attacks and shit from tattooing. Oh, how'd he die? Oh, he keeled over doing that back piece, you know? Just because, it, I mean, it is stressful, you know? I mean, I've been tattooing 20 years. I do fucking, you know, bodysuits and sleeves and shit fucking all the time. But I still get nervous when I tattoo, you know? I'm still like, fuck, I don't want to fuck this up. No, it's not like, oh, I got this shit, you know, it's, it's, I'm nervous. I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where the, yeah, t- for sure. That's where the preparation comes into in I mean, play. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm definitely confident that I'm going to give someone a good tattoo. I, I'm confident about that, but there's still that anxiety mm-hmm. of it. You know what I mean? Cause it's just mm-hmm. like, maybe I, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think I, I, I feel the same way. Yeah, you know, but but the like what I was saying, just the fatigue that people don't realize and the demand, especially in the apprenticeship phase, the the demand. Of, I mean, any substantial social life or or anything, you know, girlfriends, you can kiss them goodbye if you're going to do an apprenticeship because they're not going to take it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people just don't understand, it. and then most people don't want to actually do an apprenticeship. You know, I. I, I just have no desire to apprentice anybody. Um, I did apprentice a couple guys a while back, which I probably shouldn't have. But, you know, I find that people, as soon as they actually start tattooing, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't fucking need you and this and that, you know? And it's like they don't finish apprenticeships and then they get all fucking like this huge ego because they think, Oh, I'm badass. I'm a tattoo artist now and this and that. And it's just like, cause there's kind of a stage which most tattooers go through, especially in the beginning, they go through like this rock star phase and I'm awesome. And it's like, I think that comes, I think that comes somewhat from, you know, you, you're tattooing your friends, just like you said earlier, you know, your clients are going to tell you that you're the shit. And you become, especially a young a young person that maybe doesn't have the life experience, and and the grasp at how to handle those compliments and separate that from from reality, you know, because it's 
why wouldn't they be telling you that you're the shit? You're doing something permanent on them. They're coming to you for that because they like your work, you know? Oh. And then people will convince themselves that a bad tattoo is actually good. Mm -hmm. They will convince themselves that that's actually good, right. you know? Uh, the mind is a crazy thing because you know it's on you. You're like, no, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, no, no, it's not. Yeah. Did you find that that was your experience and you said, I probably shouldn't have apprenticed a couple guys? Was that your overall experience with the guys that you apprenticed, that they went through that phase and, and it wasn't maybe as prosperous as you thought it was going to be or they didn't live up to their potential? No. Well, what I did was was I I apprenticed two guys, and and I know my mistake was – was it their, you know, their art was really good and it was very like tattoo. And I, I think I let them start tattooing too early. Hmm. And then, um, and then I apprenticed another guy and I waited, you know, he didn't even touch a machine for a year. Mm -hmm. And, and then he started tattooing and, he was doing really good. He kept a lot of humility. Um, he just had the right mentality for it. You know, he was, um, he made it through he that. Was, he was going to be a tattooer that, you know, that I would, you know, like and look up to. And, um, and the other guys were just kind of like, not someone that I would want to, you know, associate with. And I see a lot of people where they just, just really cocky and, you know, not. Do you, do you think that year that he was hands off made the difference? Or was it just him personally? This guy I, got it I, and this guy didn't. I think it, I think it might have just been him personally. Mm -hmm. um, and I think having him not do anything for a year was really, um, was really important too. Um, yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, um, and that's why I haven't tattooed anybody because, um, I, uh, at two years, um, see, I feel, I feel that if someone can't do a good basically if someone can't do a tattoo at my level my my the tattoos i do are not like like this like cra crazy phenomenal realism stuff like i just do solid clean tattoos that i feel that any apprentice should be able to do that at their apprenticeship you know when they're done with it they should be able to pull off you know if that's the style they're going for be able to pull off a nice clean panther or you know like Clean tattoos, just basic tattooing, should be able to do that and do it clean and solid and heal properly, or else they shouldn't be let out of an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. um, too many people, like you see, tattooing in shops should not aren't even like apprentice level, you know. But um, I kind of I kind of evaded this, but my um, Steve was his name, the apprentice I was telling you about, the last guy that I apprenticed at two years. I let him out of his apprenticeship and um, put him on as, you know, a full artist at the shop at my shop in Austin. 
And, um, and then I went out of town to do a guest spot in a convention. And while I was gone, um, I got a phone call that he, he had, uh, he had quit drinking and cause he was having a problem drinking and, um, he quit drinking and he hadn't drank in like two months. And then, um, when I was out of town, he went out and got drunk and then he ended up, um, hanging himself. Oh shit. Yeah. Um, he had just, he was, he, he would have been the most phenomenal tattooer. He was like valedictorian of his like class for at university of Texas with an art degree. Um, I mean, he was going to be like the next, like Nick Baxter, like, and, and that's the style that he really liked. And, and he actually got to hang out with Nick because Nick would come to the shop and paint with us all the time and do some tattoos at the shop. And, and he was going to be phenomenal, but, um, you know, depression and alcohol don't mix real well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I haven't apprenticed anyone since then. Yeah, no, that's a, <clears throat> that's a tough situation, you know, and it's unfortunate when those things happen, but, you know, it's cool that, you know, through these types of things and through your, you know, you continuing on and talking about how, you know, not, what a nice guy he was and speaking highly of him. That's, you know, it says a lot uh, about who he was. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's a tough industry that we're in at the, at this point. And there's a lot of distractions and, you know, <clears throat> before we get into, I want to get into your box set before we do that, you know, let's talk about painting and, and some of the other things that, you know, you would have taught these guys that that you did apprentice and how is that developed and how is that style developed in your watercoloring you, it's very similar to your tattooing do you think that do you push the boundaries with that or do you tend to push boundaries with your tattooing more i think i definitely push boundaries with my tattooing more my painting tends to be a lot um more simple mm -hmm. like very um very simplified in my painting but um it was uh, it was detrimental to my growth in the beginning. Um, was painting more. The more I painted, it felt like the more my tattooing um, progressed, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, I find that a lot of people do say that. You know, is the the more you're painting, the more you're working with the designs, the more you're working with the color palettes and and shading definitely pushes the tattooing and it allows you to kind of work outside that comfort zone. Do you see your tattooing moving in a direction that you're, that you're happy with or that you see, Hey, I'm kind of trying some of these new things. Well, the, I guess the problem where I'm at right now is people that come to me they're very specific like i mean they give me they give me rain they give me free rain but they're still very specific that they want um tattoos that look you know look like what i do mm -hmm. and um so it kind of puts me into a box on what i can and can't do i mean i can usually talk people into doing something different um <clears throat> but for the most part they're usually very specific they're like i mean the most common thing I have is like, oh, I want this, but oh, make sure it has your rose in it, you know, yeah. make sure it has your roses. Like, so like all of my roses look 
exactly the same in everything I do, you know, and mm -hmm. it's like, because everybody's very specific about it, you know, I can have people let me, you know, I'll do different things and, you know, but so it's kind of a, it's kind of tricky sometimes, but maybe if I start painting more different stuff and then just being mm -hmm. like, look, this is what I want to do. I mean, it's really cool because people are very open to letting me do pretty much whatever I want. You know, if they give me an idea and then do whatever you want with it. I mean, I'm very clear whenever someone wants to get tattooed by me that I'm pretty much going to do whatever I want with their idea. Um, as far as placement and color theory, um, and if I don't think something's going to work, then I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, not because I think, oh, you know, I'm awesome and I know what the fuck I'm talking about and you don't know shit. It's just because I know what is going to work and what isn't, you know? You've been in those trenches, man, you know, right. with tattooing and, and putting it to skin. So you know that if this person's asking for something that isn't going to work, you know that that's not going to work. You, and most most of the time, I think people are receptive to, when you articulate to them, the reason this isn't going to work, and you're going to be happier with it this way because this, this, and this. They tend to, oh, okay, I get it, and are open to those changes. Or Yeah, I mean, every, I've never had someone say, I okay, I've never had someone not say, you know, well, Usually what I have people say is like, wow, that's so much better than I had imagined. Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, let me do this. And they're like, wow, they, they're like, I, I couldn't have even imagined it, you know, this good. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm not like, oh, I'm awesome. But that's that's what I, the reactions I get from people. They're, the client isn't the one that's drawn a thousand Panthers, you know, most yeah. most of the time. And so oftentimes those things that make that design special or make that design pop a certain way is coming from your visual vocabulary, your history and experience with those designs. So I think that's, I think that's normal, you know. Um, well, it's, um, this is going to come out sometime in uh, November, December, towards the end of the year. And I want to talk about this box that I think it's a cool idea that you're doing, packaging up a you know, a, a handful of different things, sketchbook, T-shirt, some prints, or an original um, sketch or drawing. I think that's cool that, you know, a lot of people are in the, in the print game or they're in the T-shirt game or they're in the sketchbook game, but it's cool that you've kind of brought all these things together and made a reasonably priced package that somebody can have a, a box set of, of your work. How did that idea uh, come about? I mean, I would love to say, oh, it was an original idea, but I actually bought um, like a box set from someone not that long ago mm -hmm. that it was just, you know, it was a flash set and a book. And um, and then there was like a patch and some stickers. And um, and I was like, that's pretty fucking awesome. And I got it and I was like, you know, so I'd love to say it was an original idea, but I actually, I mean, I threw way more stuff in mine for the same price mm -hmm. um like a lot more stuff like shirt and all that stuff and 
So, yeah, so I'd love to say it was an original idea, but it, it wasn't. I saw someone else do it, but not quite to the level that I did it at. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Have you so, had fun? I wanted to... I wanted to be able to offer something to people, especially around the holidays, to where they could order something that, you know, and really be impressed when they open it. Like the box, the box itself is going to have, is going to be screen printed nice. with artwork on it. I mean, the, the presentation, whenever people, people get these, they're going to, they're going to understand, you know, that it's, it's not just something thrown in an envelope, thrown in a box. Okay, here's some prints. Here you go. It's actually like a really good presentation of everything. Yeah. That's great, man. I mean, it's it's going above and beyond, and I think that's the level that people are expecting these days. You know, it's they're a very there's a much more educated consumer out there, I believe, and they want to see that. They want to buy something from a a tattooer who has a an influence, a sphere of influence, and is there they're a fan of, and they want to see that same product come to them like they bought it from, you know. Um, you know, another artist or a, they want all the packaging nice. They want those things because it's special. You know, they're spending hard-earned money for this. And so I think that's cool that you're doing that, man. You're stepping up the game and and really, really putting effort into it. So that's what that's what people are going to have to do, man. You know, tattoo, like you said, injuries happen. You know, the, the longevity of tattooing is not all there. Back in the day, it was, okay, I'm going to start a shop. And I'm going to look for that as my maybe retirement plan or another source of revenue. And I think it's getting to the point where artists need to start looking for outside resources, you know, whether that's prints or T-shirts, you know, it's all those have been the standard um, for for many, many years. So, yeah, I mean, that whole thing is, I mean, hard. I mean, I've been selling I mean, I've been selling prints for years, so Mm -hmm. it's like. How many of how many Mike Chambers prints can you fit in your fucking house, your shop? <laughs> so I feel bad, and a lot of times because like, well, well, these print this box set, I'm not, um, I'm not going to be the one shipping them out. Like I have it set up with um, Mind's Eye Creative Printing, and um, they're doing all the printing, they're doing all the boxing. What they're going to do is they're going to send me all the prints, and because they're in Texas, they're in Austin, uh, they're going to send me all the prints. And then I'm gonna sign everything and personalize everything, and then I'm gonna send them all the originals, um, it all the uh, I mean, yeah, all the originals that are going in the boxes. I'm gonna sign all those, send those to them, and then they're doing all the shipping. So I don't actually um, like have a whole lot to do with the shipping, which is amazing because it's it's not easy. Usually, I'm the one packaging up the prints and packaging up the sketchbooks and and doing all this stuff and and sending it out and I'm tattooing all day and then drawing and then, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to spend some time with my wife and kids and, you know, so it gets, uh, and conventions and all that. So it's really hectic. I mean, Mm -hmm. cause it's pretty much me doing everything. (laughs) You're, you love the word delegation then at this point, right? (laughs) You're trying to delegate some of that monotonous bullshit that you have to do to get these products out there. Yeah, I mean, and my friend Scott, you know, the he owns Mind's Eye, and it's it's really awesome because the way we're setting it up is, is I'm just taking in all the orders, and then we um, print to order, so everything gets printed and then shipped out. So um, that works out really good. I mean, I think people are going to really like the box set. It's going to have you know a sketchbook, six prints, um, 
stickers, an original drawing, a t-shirt. They can either get um, a men's t-shirt or a women's tank top, um, key, like die-cut keychain. You know, little things that are kind of cool, like little like punk rock buttons with my art on them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. You can find that. You can find all the information on Mike's box set on his Instagram. You might, by the time this airs, you might have to scroll down a little bit. Um, yeah. you, can and, also, uh, you can also check it out on my website, okay. uh, mikechambers.com. Hey, mikechambers.com. Mike, uh, what's what's uh, happening? What's in the future for you, man? 2015 is coming up right around the corner. Where do you see things going for you? Um. I, I got some. Uh, I got some. I got some. Some ideas going on that I got to kind of keep them on the DL for a little bit. But um, you can't tease a man. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I. I definitely need to. I mean, as as you know, I've been tattooing a long time, and like we talked about, you know, tattooers have a shelf life. Mm-hmm. You know, I plan to hopefully tattoo until the day I die, but I got to find a way to kind of, you know slow it down, kind of cut things back, maybe not tattoo quite as much as I have been, and uh, but still be able to tattoo. Maybe I can just do, like, a lot of little tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I mean, I don't think I'm really going to cut back on my tattooing, but I need to, to secure some other stuff, so I've got oh. some other plans. Great, man. Uh, and people can find out uh, all about these, uh, these plans on your website, like you said, MikeChambers.com. Instagram and Twitter at Mike Chambers. Um, well, cool, man. Mike, I appreciate it so much, dude. I, I, I really had a good time talking to you again, and um, I wish you all the best in the future. As we're winding down 2014, we're rolling into 2015. I wish you the best of luck, and I hope for uh, many more talks for sure, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. Check out MikeChambers.com and also follow me on Instagram and Twitter for updates, bonus material, and any news about the show. You can find me there under the handle at OG Joe Swanson. Check out SoundCloud.com forward slash Sullen Radio every Wednesday for new and uncensored tattoo talk with your favorite artists. Hey, everybody. Sullen Radio is teaming up with Tattoos Cure Cancer to fight cancer one tattoo at a time. Every month, on behalf of the listeners, Sullen Radio will donate to Tattoos Cure Cancer 50% of all contributions made to support this art-driven podcast. Follow at Tattoos Cure Cancer and at OG Joe Swanson for updates on this podcast partnership. To support both the podcast and help Tattoos Cure Cancer fight a disease that affects our tattoo community daily, you can donate any amount now via PayPal to ogjoeswanson at gmail.com. You can also join me on November 16th in Santa Clarita, California at Eternal Art Tattoo for a one-day Tattoos Cure Cancer charity event. I'll be on site recording live for Sullen Radio and to help bring awareness to this great cause. Check out TattoosCureCancer.com and TheRealJoeSwanson.com for more info. Next week on Sullen Radio. And I had, like, true, true, for real, big-time tattoo artists they were tripping the fuck out. What's going on here? Is that real? At that point, I was tattooing for about a year and a half. I'm gonna try and get better. Like, that's, that's what I just kept telling myself, and, and I keep telling myself that. And I have to keep telling myself that, because honestly, here's the truth. There's thousands of tattoo artists out there, and these people are blowing up, especially with social you know, media. 
these people are blowing up big time. I mean, obviously, we're going to go to the next level. We can't stay at the same level for the next 20 years. It's not going to happen. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes of Sullen Radio. Listen now at therealjoeswanson.com.